All right, guys, it's time for the next level guy show. A men's interview, interest, and improvement-focused podcast featuring interviews with the greats from all industries to help you better your life. Each week, a new episode features an interview with one of the greats covering all aspects of their story, from life hacks to tips and protocols that have allowed them to live life on the next level. We then highlight concrete action steps that you can use to improve your life. And now, your host, Ian Dawson McKay. And today's guest is David Hayes. He went from his lowest point in jail to achieving world records and working on prison reform. His story will help you realise that your current state doesn't need to be your end point. You can change your story at any moment you decide. So many of us have lost track of our sense of freedom and passion for adventure, succumbing to the pressures of modern life. We should never let go of our dreams and always strive to gain new experiences and enjoy life for everything it has to offer. After reaching the lowest point in his life, David realised he was distracted from his true values and what made him come alive. He's now on a journey of self-discovery, a quest to take his love for adventure and bringing people together out into the world with the aim to inspire and motivate personal growth. He wants more people to break free, come alive and take that step into the unknown to truly live through adventure, no matter how big or small. If you have a vision, then commit to it. Give it your all and do not let outside factors stop you. The only things that will hold you back in life is yourself, and his whole life he did that, but no longer, and you can do the same too. David wants to live by his own example, which is why he's about to launch his Europe's Untamed Beasts, a first of its kind of SUP adventures. He's also attempting to be the first person to SUP the River Nile and the formidable Skeleton Coast. As he says, through adventure we live, and he's now the proud owner of seven world records because of it. And in this interview, we discuss how your past doesn't define your future, how you can choose to change your life at any minute, and how you can chase a goal in your own life. And now, let's get to the interview. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm delighted to have somebody like you on, because you've done a complete like 360, oh, sorry, 180, and changed your life. You know, you've done amazing work. But could you give a quick introduction to people who maybe aren't aware of your name? Yeah, so my name's David Hayes, uh, also known as the Nomadic Paddler. And I am a former prisoner turned um, paddleboarding world record holder. And you've just completed your seventh world record, which is amazing. Massive congratulations there. And, you know, when you read your story, you think that can't be the same guy. You know, the, you've you went down into a sort of deep darkness and then you completely transformed it. And now you're inspiring people, working on prison reform, etc. But could you go into a little bit about, like, how did you start that descent you know, um, how did you get into like taking drugs and was it dealing with the stresses and the bad habits mm. of working in finance at the time? Yeah, I mean, you know, it is funny saying that I have done a complete turnaround. I'm not the same person. I don't feel like the same person anymore. But yes, so growing up, I always used to love adventure. Adventure was who I am. I was a national champion sailor. I did Duke of Edinburgh, which is like a, an outdoor pursuits program here in England. I, um, I was, you know, I surfed everything. I, I just loved the outdoors, and eventually I moved to London. Ended up uh, working in finance, and when I was working finance, I just completely 
in London, I just completely lost touch of who I was. I didn't know who I was anymore. But I just got so, so wrapped up in making the money. And I was earning some, you know, some really good money. I just got wrapped up in this whole London life. Everyone tells you London's, you know, the big city. It's where, it's where it all was happening. And moving to London was the biggest mistake I ever made in my life. Um, eventually, I, I lost my job. And I tried to keep up this facade that I was still earning more, you know, money. So I'd, I'd leave or sort of get dressed for work and I would go gambling and and trying to numb the pain, I suppose. I end up turning to cocaine. So I was sort of feeling a drug habit and a gambling addiction. And it just completely spiraled out of control. And I end up moving some stolen goods. And I was looking at, or the, the police officer that was involved told me I was going to go to jail for this. And eventually, I didn't tell anybody. I got a new job again. I was a business development director for another finance firm, and money was coming in. But I had this court date looming over my head. And eventually, when the court date came, I just sort of had a mental breakdown, I suppose, and disappeared for five weeks. And in those five weeks, I tried to take my life, and you know, it wasn't successful. Thank, you know, thankfully, and. I ended up turning to burglary, which ended up putting me in prison. I mean, it is an amazing story because you completely changed. You went in, you know, you got your life back on track, and now you're working in the prison reform. And, you know, I think that's the thing I'm so keen to have you on is we all hear about these gurus and stuff, and they all come on and say, yeah, just do this, drink this flat tea, and you're going to be amazing. We we rarely get to hear about people who've made mistakes and changed. I mean, I've mm. I've done stupid things, and I'm thankful I never got into serious trouble from it. But there's people there who are thinking, you know, like society almost treats them like second class. You know, if you've been to jail, and I like that where you said about, um, you know, people see you as a prison number, and that's all you can be. But you were adamant that you were going to prove that wrong, and I love yeah. that. That's the thing, you know, and, and prison isn't my defining moment in, in my life, you know. Yeah, we've all made mistakes, you know, some more serious than others, so I'm not going to let that define who I am. And, like, I've experienced the prison system here in, you know, in the UK, and I, it's such a broken system. And when I was inside, like, I sort of made an effort to try and help the guys, you know, get work, you know, get respect and all this stuff. Well, coming out, now I'm a free man. Like, let's use the opportunity. First off, let's just reconnect myself which i do with the adventure but in the adventure and these world records i do it gives me a platform to talk and come onto podcasts like you know like i'm doing now to sort of share my message and share what i'm trying to do and it's you know i've been given a second lease of life and i'm embracing it and doing what i can to try and improve lives for others because i think that's like a massive first step into it as they say like true like a true apology has changed behavior and, you know, that's partly why I started the podcast, because I was finding that I wasn't getting the life I wanted. I was drinking. I was just bored at my brain. And, you know, I was going to end up just going down a like dark holes, you know, of suffering and depression. And after about a few months, I'd, I started speaking to people online and got them on, you know, got them on uh, interviews. And before you knew it, it's um, the wealth of information is out there. But there wasn't a podcast that actually helped people go from really bad to really good. Mm. Yeah, and that's what I think we really struggle. We get guys who come out and, like you said, your when you lost your job, it was the first real serious failure that you had. Yeah, how did you sort of react to that? You know, why do you think guys, you know, we're almost taught not to share our feelings. We're taught we're tra- we're trained supposedly to be men to hide our feelings and sort you know shit out on our own. Yeah. Why? And it's such a dangerous thing to do because it puts all this pressure on us. 
how how did you react when you lost it and how did you come to terms with it and you know were the red flags that you noticed at that time i didn't notice any red flags at the time now i look back and i do but when I, when i was sitting in that prison cell it gave me a chance to sort of figure out my life my journey and everything and i haven't been dealt the worst cards in life i haven't been dealt the best cards in life and you know i guess i went to boarding school and boarding school gave me so many opportunities it was great but one thing boarding school never taught me was how to deal with failure. You're sort of wrapped up in cotton wool and just everything's sort of given to you. You know, something, you, an opportunity comes to you and they, they, they give it to you. And I remember going to London, you know, my family, I never had to rely on my family in my life because I was at boarding school. And that first failure when I lost, lost my job was my first biggest failure I ever had to deal with in life. And I've come along, come along so far. And I, my family was so proud of me, and I just didn't know how to deal with failure, though. That's the only thing. I didn't know how to go and ask for help. I was too proud to go for ask for help. But what I have learned since then, the bravest, but also the most scariest thing you can ever do in your life, is just ask for help. It's such a little, simple action. But if you ask for help, which I have done now, and it completely changes your life. But I, just, I, I never knew what to do with failure. And that's how, you know, my life just com- went completely, you know, t- turned around and I ended up in prison. Because it takes a certain size of testicles to say I need help. You know, yeah. I, I took forever to do it when, like, I had to go to the doctor and get put on antidepressants and stuff. Yeah. Um, for, and, you know, that's why I was so keen to get you on because you're, you're so open and honest and vulnerable about your story and you really just don't sugarcoat it. You know, you've said to people, like, you can, you know, you can make mistakes, but it doesn't define you. And that's why I wanted a lot of young people to know is they're not a number just because they've been inside or they've been in trouble, that you can completely change your life. I mean, I don't feel the same person that I was 10, 15 years ago. And mm. I'm sure a lot of people are like that, but they're still letting something stupid they did in their past, you know, if it's criminal, fighting, drinking, whatever it is, define them and probably ruin their lives just now. And that's why I wanted to have you on was, you give an amazing story, but show people it can be done and you can go on to do amazing things. So you yeah. said when you lost your job, you know, you were still putting the suit on, going out and trying that lifestyle, you know, yeah. going out and gambling and making money. Is it Was that the same sort of thing that you thought you could hide it and fix it on your own? Yeah, 100%. So I was all, you know, I was going gambling. I was trying to find more work, but I was just getting so engrossed with the drugs, so engrossed with the gambling that my life was just spiraling out of control. If I took that step back and just looked at the situation, like, you know, it was only going to end up in one way and it wasn't going to be good. Um, and I, you know, eventually when I did get caught and everything, it was just a massive weight lifted off my shoulders. But I was just going down this completely, this dark hole, this horrible hole. And, you know, I look back at it now and it's a horrible time in my life. But sort of going on to prison, you know, it's one of my biggest failures in life, but I'm just sort of determined to make, my biggest failure in life become my biggest success. And that's sort of what I'm trying to do now. No, it is amazing. Like I was sort of like just reading your story, I was like, this guy's amazing. And then when I've seen that you were working in the prison reform and you were actually trying to fix the broken system to give people who are coming out a, a better second chance, you know, to kind of helping them along because like you look at the mental health, you know, pandemic we've got, you look at the COVID mm. situation, there's not a lot of situations where people can get to see people and ask for support, ask for the services they need. And, you know, you mentioned you didn't talk to anyone about the interactions with the police. 
was there anybody there that you could sort of relate to? Did you have anybody that you could kind of bounce ideas off, or were you, were you just trying to deal with it yourself? You know, tried... how... Sorry, yeah, I was going to say, I just tried to deal with it myself. Like, there was, you know, there was no... However, there was plenty of people there, you know, my family, everybody. If I just went and spoke to my family, even my girlfriend at the time, like, they would have supported me. They might mm. not financially supported me, but they would have helped me sit down and think of the positive solution, not the solution that resulted in gambling and drugs. Um, and I think that's what it is. There are so many people around us that, you know, love us and support us. And even those people who are unfortunate that don't have family and friends, you know, you come across a lot of these people in the prison system. There's still plenty of people out there who will be willing to listen to you and help you and support you. And that's a great message. And there's, mm. I think that's the problem is we start taking so much shit on ourselves that we we forget that, you know, we can, we can go and ask for help. That there is people, no matter where, you know, churches, charity groups who are willing to help and will go out their way to help. And I think we forget because we think, you know, stiff up our lip. We've got to be brave. We've got to do this. We've got to do that. And it's it's sort of messed up men because we've told them to be masculine. Mm. It means being tough and, it, you know, it doesn't really. Um, but it's taking that away, that option to admit you've got, I don't know if you've seen that on Instagram, people were saying that they had no one to speak to. You know, like yeah. they were saying, who did you, who do you go to and speak to about your problems? And they're like, I'm a man, I'm not allowed to. I've got to keep it to myself. And I just thought that was terrifying. So what was your, I mean, you mentioned about um, contemplating suicide. I mean, I've been down that dark hole and I know yeah. how difficult it is to come out. What what stopped you at the time? And what made you, th- and what advice would you give to people who are going through similar, who think, you know, that what they've done, they can't live on? Because mm. mine was just like, I had intrusive thoughts, I had OCD. I was just like, end of the world. What advice did you could you give to people who are in that situation now? Yeah, I mean, I was just looking for that easy way out. And I sort of convinced myself that, you know, because I'd be on this run from the police, I'd convinced myself that my family had moved on. And it's like, you know, with finally the, the time that, you know, I, I resurfaced, like, and I spoke to my family, like, I realised, of course they didn't. Like, they hadn't moved on. They would never have moved on. And I think, you know, just whatever situation is like you know it doesn't matter how bad it is it always only get better and you've just got to sort of own the situation you're in doesn't matter how bad it is like for me it was going to jail and you know and all that and I was like just own it you know I had to own it and take the opportunity that to learn about myself to then try and grow and change as a person to go and make sure I live a much more meaningful life but you know we all we all go through bad times in our life but you know it's always those good times will always come back again you know you'll always learn about yourself you'll always grow as an individual like just hold on there and always remember like we just said there's always going to be support from somebody you know the support in the most unlikely places um nobody wants to see anybody take their own life and you know i've certainly don't and I'm so glad that I didn't take my own life because you know I'm so proud of what I'm doing right now and I'm living the life that I suppose I was always meant to live and you should be proud of what you've achieved you know you're doing amazing things you're inspiring so many people and you're also giving people who are maybe hitting their own like streak of shit shall we say you know they're going there is an option to change you don't need to be you know what's it they say your um your past doesn't need to be your future you know you can change it and, you know, I like that comment you said when in another interview you were talking about it being like a pressure cooker. You just mm. felt it building and building. And 
you've, when you've got nowhere to go, you start thinking the worst, don't you? You start looking going, oh, no, there's no way out of this. I just, I'm worthless. I'm this, I'm that. And we we then don't have like a healthy, like a lot of people don't have access to sporting facilities. A lot of people don't have access to other men that they can chat to or other groups they can chat to. And it's, it's a scary situation for a lot of people. But what was your first or most striking memory of prison? You know, what was it that you remember that like the toughest part of it? Yeah, I think the first, the first thing, so it's back to this masculinity thing. So I got my sentence. I'm in the prison van. I'm heading off to HMP Guys Marsh, which is South London, and I just, I was just crying all the way in tears. And like the moment, sort of the door unlocked to go into reception, I started to wipe away the tears. And like you know, I got a man up now. I can't be let see people let people see me do this. You know, it's a prison. It's full of you know men. You know, it's you hear about these stories. It's the worst, of the worst, and. So wipe those tears away. But the, the one thing that always stuck with me was the smell. Like I can never explain to anybody the smell, but just, it was just like a rotten, dirty, disgusting smell, and that would always stay with me. And it's just hard to explain. But that that was that was it. And the noise it was so loud, like echoing the music from different people, the shouting, the screaming. Like there was a lot of anger, a lot of pain, a lot of upset in that place. And yeah, I like. You know, I wouldn't wish anyone to to go to prison. Um, but for me, you know, it was, obviously it was needed. But yeah, it was the smells and the masculinity, I suppose. Because uh, that's something in it. It's like you put a bunch of people who struggle to discuss stuff, who've done bad things, who are maybe wanting to change and stuff. But they put them in a situation where you're just locked up. And a lot of people I know who've like been to jail, a lot of people have been in trouble before. They said there's not a lot of rehabilitation offered you know it's just a case of more walls more doors more bars you know it's just there's not much to to actually encourage you to go and like get qualifications and fix it and i don't know if that's like a sort of standard approach how did it change like being sentenced how did it change your relationship with friends family and was there any kind of offer to like rehabilitation or you know if somebody wanted to change their life was that supported no, I mean, rehabilitation doesn't exist inside. It really doesn't. And if you want to rehabilitate yourself, you have to be quite a proactive individual. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of these guys, you know, they've been in and out of prison most of their life. They've come from care homes. They've never had opportunities given to them. They, and like most of their life as well, a lot of these guys have just been told they're worthless. So they think they're worthless. And, you know, why, why bother changing myself as probably, you know, as their mindset. So, like, eventually when I sorted myself out inside, I could see there's so much talent in prison. There's so many guys that, you know, they shouldn't have gone down the wrong path. They haven't got the help they needed. So I ended up writing to a lot of companies when I was inside. I used to write CVs for the lads. And I'd write to a company saying that, you know, this guy's in prison. He's getting released back to your area. It'd be amazing if you could give them an opportunity. And you know what? The, the response I got was fantastic. So I got the body shop involved. Uh, Sainsbury's were interested. B&Q, Lush, Dorset Tea Company. All these companies were right back to me going, all right, when, when this guy's out, get in contact with us. And I really wanted to help the guys. The prison doesn't seem too bothered to help people. And when I came out, I sort of made a vow, like, I'm going to, now I'm a free man. Now I have no limitations. I'm going to try and support the guys, the girls, as much as I can to get them into work, to help them change their lives. But one thing I noticed is 
so as, as I was saying, like, this a certain individual had been in prison like 11 times and whole life he's been told he's rubbish. And, well, you know, the moment you speak to that person as an individual, respect them, suddenly their life changes. Suddenly they've been shown respect and they're like, oh, actually, I'm not worthless, am I? You know, and that changes their whole mindset. Suddenly that person's then going to take that journey to change and to, to grow and to rehabilitate. And that's all it takes. It just takes to treat everybody as an individual, you know, Prison, going to prison, having your freedom taken away and your family and your life, that's the punishment and that's the way it should stop. It's all then about teaching these people to grow and change and that's what prison should be doing it doesn't. That's awesome, man. I mean, it like I was smiling through that because I felt like you could feel the, the passion you have for helping mm. people change and, you know, to even just take somebody to take five minutes, ten minutes to write a CV for somebody to say, let's try find you a job. Hmm. To somebody who's been in and out of travel the whole time, that must be like, you know, wh- why are you doing this? How? Why do you think I'm worthwhile? And you know, like a lot of times where if you're if you're quiet in school, you're just left alone. If you're troublemaker in school, you get kicked out. You know, just yeah. go find a job and get on with it. We're, we very rarely try to come to the like the cracks of the situation of what's causing the problems. But when you were released initially, you hmm. started using again, and um, you know, went back in. What was it that you think caused that? What stopped you changing initially? And, you know, was it, what was causing that? Was it going back to old habits or was there something at the time that you didn't have a mission or a challenge to change your life, do you think? I th- I, was, I was too determined to go and earn money again, get my life back on track. You know, I, I come from London, I was earning this good money and I never really took the opportunity to learn who I was. So as you, as you said, I end up, Got a toxic relationship. We split up. I spent all my company's money off something. My company went to drugs and ended up burglary. And when I was in prison again, I was like, how, how am I here again? Like, it's just said, you know, I've, I've gone to university. I've, you know, I've got a degree. Uh, I've, I went to private school, boarding school. I'm like, how am I here for burglary? And I just took that opportunity just to learn who I was, learn about my red flags, my green flags, take it as an opportunity to grow. And as I said from, you know, earlier on, just ask for help, utilize the support that was around me. There isn't much, but it's there if you look for it. And one, one of the changing moments is when I met a woman called Dr. Sarah Lewis, who owns Penal Reform Solutions. And I was loving the work that she was doing in prison and creating these, these, um, growth rehab cultures of in prisons and I sort of started working for her started making a difference and she's my boss now I've been out for nearly two years and I work for her full-time now working with people that have experienced criminal justice work system working with children that sort of going down the wrong path and that she was just yeah the inspiration to help me change and realizing there's so much more to life that's awesome I mean what was that point then that made you think enough was enough? You know, was there that moment, a defining moment, or was it just gradually building and building each time you kind of looked around? You know, was there a moment that you can sort of attribute to that it's enough's enough? Yeah, I mean, the second time I went into a really dark place, as you can imagine. You know, I lost a lot of friends, on the verge of losing my family. And, you know, eventually I sort of came out of the dark hole and, you know, I was sort of reconnected myself. I remember reading a lot of self-help books, trying to figure out how my mind works and all this. And that but that turning point for me was when I met Sarah, my boss. And it was just the way she 
it was the way she embraced growth, hope, change, and the way she saw us. Like she saw me as an individual. She spoke to me as an individual, and she just made me see my own self worth. And that's when I knew, like, uh, that I am much more than prison. I am much more than my prison sentence. And that's when I sort of really ramped everything up and started to change and learn who I am. And, you know, and I'm still on this sort of journey of self-discovery now, and I'll always be on it. And this is why I undertake the adventures that I do. You know, I go out on the water. I push myself beyond the boundaries and limits that I thought possible and I just reconnect with the raw me. And that's what I sort of want more people to do, realizing your full potential, really. Because it, it blows me away like that, how you can be so open and honest about it. But it's you give such inspiring advice as well. And, you know, you're showing people that you're like an example of somebody that can do this and you care about somebody. And I think a lot of guys like, who are in trouble don't have that. And, you know, I think that's the problem is a lot of people here, prison, you know, ex-convict, whatever, and, you know, they have that stigma and people think, oh, well, you know, we have this kind of snooty attitude. You know, like a lot of people do bad things, don't get caught. But, you know, you, I love that message that you said that, you know, you're not a prison, you're a prison number then. And you're yeah. not, people will say you're always going to be a prison number, but that's bollocks. What, what do you think... You know, we do. We don't allow hope to people that they can change. That their past doesn't define their future. Why do we? Why do we treat people like that? You know, why don't we say it like you know, you've done the punishment, you've you know, you've admitted your fault, you move on. Why? That's why it. do? I, I don't know. It's a weird one because there's so many. We're slowly getting there. Like there are so many companies now that have like they're called ban the box organizations. So like when you fill out a um application form for a company, usually you'd have have you got a criminal record, you tick it, but a lot of companies are now removing that. So everybody's got an equal opportunity for the interview. Once you get the job, you're then meant to declare, you know, you've got a criminal record. But something that I really you know, something that I'm always I'm part of the thing I do is try and change these perspectives and like a few examples I have, like I'm probably there's probably a lot of old dears and old boys who, you know, they're like you've been to prison, you're a criminal, you're always a criminal. But I can imagine they would sit there at home, watch Stephen Fry documentaries and David Dickinson programs, mm-hmm. and these people probably don't know that Stephen Fry and David Dickinson have both been to prison. You know, there's so many famous people out there that they probably don't realise that these guys have actually been to jail. Mark Wahlberg's another one. Um, Tom Hardy, like there's so many famous people who've gone on to change their lives and do good stuff. And like, it can happen. We just need to support people. If we want to create these harmonious environments, these safe, safe environments, then we all need to come together and support somebody. And I did an interview or ages ago with the one show and who is it? Judge Rinder was one of their guest panels. And they sort of turned to him and was like, what do you think about prison reform, rehabilitation? He's like, it's amazing, you know, and I think we need to push it more. He said, at the end of the day, these people are going to come out, come out of prison and they're going to be your next door neighbour. Now, what do you want that person to be reformed and changed or not? Because at the end of the day, he's going to be your next door neighbour. And I thought, that's it. Like, you know, we are coming out. And I look back and I think to my victim, my victims, like, what do my victims want? Do they want me to, now I'm a free man. Do they want me to suffer and, you know, and suffering will probably end up resulting back into crime? Or do they want me to carry on and do some good with my life? And I think everybody wants these people to do some good. And the only way we can do that is to support them. 
No, it's a great message, and yeah. I, I really like that. Her outlook. It's you know because there's so many people who it's almost like you know they think the shit doesn't stink. You know that they kind of that they've never done anything bad, and you know if you Google like on YouTube. Um, google and youtube honestly if you go into youtube you know and you look and you see the number like number of celebrities who've been to jail or something you know it's phenomenal and if we stopped every person who's done a bad thing going and doing something else you know and just said nope that's it you're ruined go and live in the nomads there wouldn't be a society we everybody makes mistakes everybody fails everybody does something bad and you know it shouldn't define them that is, and it's like, I mean, you know, people might not, somebody, speak a speeding ticket, you broke the law, like, at the end of the day, that's you breaking the law, parking ticket, you broke the law, you weren't allowed to park, obviously, you know, from what I've done for speeding tickets, completely different, you know, um, uh, different ends of scales, but you've still broken the law, and, you know, breaking the law is breaking the law, but, you know, you, you speed, and then suddenly you end up accidentally hitting somebody, then that puts you into prison, like this, you know, you just got to be careful, too many speeding tickets will put you into prison. And like, you know, we all, I mean, there's, I'm sure there's some people that, you know, haven't broken the law in the slightest, but we've all done it, I think, in a certain, to a certain way. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, we just, we need to help and support. Um, and sort of, you know, a lot of people need to get off the high horses, I guess, and, you know, help these individuals. Because that's the thing is people say, oh, they need to go to jail. But then what do you do once that they've served that length of time? You know, it's, you don't want them to go back in again and have to be arrested again and, you know, all that kind of jazz. You want them to have something. You want to give them, like, you know, like a lot of people who are alcoholics, for example, there's always a reason for it. Mm. And there's a lot of times that they want to change, but they don't know how. They need the medical assistance. Same with drug addicts a lot of times, but they do want to change. I mean, you're always going to get some arsholes yeah, in every no, part of society. Yeah. But there's yeah, always going to be, you know. As I say, I like what you just said there, because nobody... I'd say 95% of those people in prison didn't wake up and go, you know what, I'm going to commit a crime. And 90, I'd say 95% of the individuals in there, there is a story and a reason behind it, why they committed the crime. Like those, I'm sure 5%, as you said, are just assholes, and I met some of them. But nobody generally wakes up that morning and goes, you know what, I'm going to go and burgle a house for the fun of it. You know, there's a reason behind the burglary. For me, it was a form of survival and like you know i completely regret what i did but nobody just wakes up and commits a crime and it's just trying to get down to the bottom why they did that i think that's what we need to spend more time and effort into is like the services and support to stop Mm. people falling into that because you said um was it failing doesn't make you a failure it just makes you someone who's failed and you just Mm. need to embrace the failure grow and change your ways and come back stronger that's it and you know, and you started that change, you know, and you've been out for two years. You've done these amazing things. You've you got a job. You're working in the prison reform. You're supporting people who need it. How did you make sure you didn't slip back? What kind of habits did you change to kind of ensure you know working towards the new David? Just, I just being open and honest, and like that—that that was the main thing. And just keep utilizing the support that's around me. You know, I not just going through the world on my own and taking up all the problems and woes. And like, you know, I've got my family back. So if I'm out of troubles, I've got my boss, Sarah, I've got my girlfriend, I've got my work colleagues. You know, if I start struggling, then, you know, I just be open and honest. But for me, adventure and paddleboarding is what's changed my life. And that's what gives me purpose and drive. So sort of just planning the next adventure and undertaking adventures, that's what, 
keeps me going and that's I suppose that's my healthy vice in life you know it's move away if you you know alcohol and drug people use as a vice for me paddleboarding is my vice and you know there's nothing wrong with paddleboarding there's no negatives about it and I think you know just trying to find a healthy vice something that gives you that purpose and drive and keep going no, you should be super proud of yourself for what you've done because it is an amazing achievement. I mean, I, I've seen people who are just, you know, everybody goes, oh, he's a bad kid because they get, they're they constantly getting in petty trouble and stuff. And you think, no, it's just somebody that hasn't got somebody to look out for them or to assist them. And I know everybody says we should be looking after ourselves and that, but that's bullshit. You know, we're in a community where we should be helping people change mm-hmm. their lives and, you know, give back and help people. And that's partly why I wanted to start like the podcast because I knew there were people like me who didn't know how to go out and ask for help or didn't know who to speak to or, you know, who maybe weren't getting in trouble or uh, like, you know, who maybe had done some bad hunting caught or whatever it was, but were at that point of hating themselves and thinking, I'm a failure, I'm this, I'm that, so why don't I just go out and steal or whatever? And I think that's the thing is we need to make people change the perspective that their history isn't their future, that they can change, that there is help there. So, you know, when you look back, do you struggle at all with it? Do you deal with any regrets? How did you come to peace with the mistakes and not let them rule your life? Because I think that's a big thing I've noticed. Um, I've had people on who have said, you know, that they really still struggle with what happened in the past. Yeah. Do you ever come to terms with it, do you think? Yes. I mean, obviously, I, I, I absolutely hate what I did. You know, my terms of burglary is not a nice crime. I mean, at the end of that, the past is the past. I can't change that anymore. And it's, mm. it's, you know, it is there. It's just, it's now what I do with my life to sort of move away from that. I'm supposed to give back. Um, and that's, you know, that's what I'm trying to do is I, of course, I, I regret everything, but I'm using that failure, you know, prison and I'm turning it around to try and turn it into a success to go on and do better things. Um, and I think that's the only way I, you know, I can deal with what I've done. Because I was really impressed when you said you had found your why and, you know, mm. that was like adventure in your life. Do you think that's a big problem is that for a lot of young men, older men, women as well, we're not being challenged? You know, that I love saying, you know, we can order a taxi online, we can order a date online, we can order food online. You know, we've almost yeah. lost a sense of focus or purpose in our life. And do you think, you know, because you have a saying that through adventure we live, yeah. You know, can you go into a little bit about that philosophy and do you think that's what's affecting a lot of young people today? That they they and, don't have yeah. adventure? Yeah, funny enough, like it's having that why in your life and challenging yourself. Like as you said, life has just become too I suppose too easy. And like you need to challenge yourself. If you want to grow and change and learn more about yourself as an individual, then you need to challenge yourself. Like if you just live the normal day to day life, you know, through social media and easy X, you know access to easy just anything really you know it isn't challenging and like it was quite funny at Christmas was, my brother was having a chat with his friend and they want to start a business and I happened to walk in and my brother was just saying to his mate like I'm so proud of David like what he's done is well recorded on this and he's like why 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 how have you done it like how have we not started our own business I was like why do you want to start your own business he's like we want to make more money I was like, that's not a good enough reason. You need to find your why in life. For me, paddleboarding, it gives me purpose. It gives me drive. It makes me understand who I am. And learning who I am makes me a better version of myself. And that's my why. And I think everybody, you know, 
like from him like why does he want money like break it down and find that unique why and i think we all need to do it and we all need to challenge ourselves and and that's why i sort of promote the power of adventure what it can do to an individual it's time for a quick break there are millions of potential products to buy so how do you know which ones are worth your hard-earned money simple you go to nextlevelguy.com slash affiliates and explore those that will transform and improve your life. You'll find deals, listener exclusives, and special offers with some great companies. Recommendations are 100% honest and only on items Ian has tried or believes in. The companies showcased will make you a better man in all areas of your life. Simply go to nextlevelguy.com slash affiliates and level up. That's seriously inspiring. You know, I, I can see why you're changing so many people's lives and motivating so many people. But why paddleboarding? You know, you said it was like a journey of self-discovery. Hmm. Do you think it's sport that helps us discover who we are? You almost like get involved with the adventure, the physicality of it. You become it's almost like hmm. a primal use of energy. Do you think? I, th- I mean, I mean, I've always been a sporty individual. I've always lived by the sea. And I used to surf for years and years and years, but down where I, down in Bournemouth where I live, those flat days, you just couldn't surf. And one day I, met, I remember seeing about seven years ago, I saw somebody on a paddleboard. And I was like, what's that? So I took to it. And I absolutely love the extra sense of freedom it brings, the, the connection to yourself. And I knew, like, this is me. This is, this is who I am. But, you know, it doesn't have to be pushing yourself physically. I mean, even if you... I was speaking to a woman not so long ago, and she's like, you know, I've got two kids and a husband and all this, so I can't just go out and paddle the longest lakes. So I was like, then you should just go away camping with your family. Go and learn to make a fire properly without matches. You, The four of you sit down, put your phones away. That's an adventure. That's reconnecting with yourself. You know, you're growing, you're learning, and you're connecting with your family. You're creating memories. That's an adventure. It doesn't have to be anything quite extreme. It's just... I think just being outdoors in nature is just, there's something just so peaceful about it. Um, and I think more people just need to, yeah, get out there. It's it's a great message because so many people are being raised by their phones, which is scary. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I do it myself. You know, I'm thinking, like, I've listened to a podcast and I go, oh, that's a great question for so-and-so. And, mm. you know, then I'm watching YouTube videos. And then I, as I'm sitting just chilling after work, I'll be sitting on my phone and, you know, you're on the bass on your phone. Before you know it, we've almost forgotten how to speak to each other, how to rely on ourselves and challenge ourselves when we go out. But what, made, what on earth made you think, okay, I'm paddleboarding now, I'm reconnecting, I'm finding myself again. I know I'm going to go and try to achieve world records because that's such a great mindset. But how did it, what led you into doing these amazing things? So the first world record I got was in, what, June last year. And I came up with the idea. So I used to get paddleboarding magazines sent to me and I'd see all these great adventures. And I was like, you know what? When I get out there, I'm going to paddleboard the four longest lakes in the UK in four consecutive days. As you do. Uh, yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> I remember telling the lads around me whilst in prison, they're like, you know, you're a number, you're always a number, stop daydreaming. Um, you know, it's never going to happen. And that's when I realized that, you know, my prison sentence doesn't define who I am. I am much more than this prison and I'm going to go out. And I'm going to do this. So eventually, after all the lockdown, I came out in the first lockdown. After, you know, lockdowns finished, June 14th came. I was in Scotland, did my first world record. Then I went to England the following day, did that. Then I was in Northern Ireland. And I remember I had a pint of Guinness sitting in Northern Ireland. 
waiting for my ferry. And I was thinking, you know, I've got three world records now. I have the more, most world records, stand-up paddleboarding world records than anybody in the world. I could stop now. There's no need for me to go to Wales. And I was thinking, well, that's how you used to think. You always used to look for an easy way out, you know. Mm. And I was like, no, you know what, go and do it. You said to yourself back in that prison cell, that you know, surrounded by so much failure and negativity, you told yourself you're going to go out, do four, four legs, four days. So I thought, you know what, that's it, I'm going out. You know, I don't think like that. I don't look for an easy way out anymore. You know, if I can do it, then I'm doing it. And I went and did the fourth leg, and that was my first four world records. I love that kind of growth, that kind of... Ooh. I could do that. I could take the easy way out, but no, I am going to go and do this big thing, you know, because I mean, I know a lot of people are listening just now going, but yeah, but what do I do if I've never been caught? What do I do if I've never been punished for the thing? And I think it's similar, you know, what we're saying to them is it's stop letting it define you. You know, Mm. you can't change your past, but you can be a better person and go and do something good for the future. And, you know, I think like there's a lot of people just now going, like, I can't go and do a challenge like that, but they can do a variation that challenges themselves, that maybe inspires other people, maybe even makes a small amount of money for a charity, like a Taf Madder or a Skydive or a whatever it is. Mm. You know, there's all these amazing charities you can give back to. You know, I'm a big fan of um, the Marie Curie Cancer Charity because they mm. had terminal ca- cancer care nurses for my grandparents when they were dying. And, you know, I, did, I jumped out of a plane, which... When I think back, it scared the shit out of me. But I wanted to say thank you for what they've done. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who, you know, you don't need to go and speak to the police now if it's something silly. You don't need to go and apologize if you can't find the person, whatever. I know that a lot of people struggle. Um, mm. I had um, Dr. Rob Kennedy on, who was an alcoholic, who had lost everything. And then he's come back to start in this addiction center and he's changing lives left, right, and center. And that's what he said is even if you write a letter of apology to somebody, you don't post it, you burn it, you know, but you just let that energy out. Yeah. Did yeah, you, yeah. and did you ever try something like that? So I, I wrote to all my victims, um, just to, like that, you know, if I didn't get a response, I, you know, then at least I've just, I suppose, vented it. And I, two, two people wrote back to me, um, thanking me for the apology and just saying, you know, you know, well done for owning it and, you know, thank you for explaining why and why you did mm. it. And he said, just, you know, use your time wisely. And when you come out, to make sure you live a better life. And, you know, I'd love to sort of meet those two that wrote to me and go, look, you know, hopefully I am living that better life then. That's amazing. It's mm. like, it just shows you that people will, you know, they might be annoyed at the time, but a lot of people will forgive. You know, it takes a real, like, st- amount of stupidity to like really burn the bridges there will be people who will forgive and forget or people who help you no matter the situation you're in you know but that can seem like an amazingly challenging moment you met a guy called cam stevens during your final sentence Mm. you know and he really helped you and you helped each other bond and you know that friendship grew from there what did that teach you about men you know forging friendships and what can we do if you know if we unite and assist one another rather than tearing ourselves down? What kind of message did that give you? Yeah, I mean, with Cam, I mean, we're from two different worlds straight off, but there was just something we saw in each other. Like we again, like it was that whole we're much more than our prison sentence, and it was just nice to talk to somebody with hopes and dreams. Mm-hmm. And funny enough, Cam was on the shoreline when I was in Loch Ness, and it was just such an emotional moment when we were sitting in these prison cells. 
we were talking about something like this and here we were both in Scotland both on Loch Ness you know he was with his company we were filming me I'm there doing my paddleboarding like we discussed and that was one of the proudest moments of my life and you know I remember sort of having to hold back the tears. I saw my first world record, it was just me and my girlfriend. This last one, there was me and my girlfriend, a film crew, BBC, the press. And I just saw them all. There must have been about, I don't know, 15 people on the shoreline. And I started breaking up into tears. I was like, no, I can't cry. Come on, don't do this, don't do this. It's like, but it was, it was just an overwhelming of emotions. Like I've come so far in less than two years. And yeah, it's great. But, you know, you got to have positive role models in your life. People who don't hold you back and in prison there are so many people that will shut you down there is so much negativity there's only a handful of people that help you grow and cam was one of those people who saw something in me i saw something in him and we just like mate we we're much more in this and when we're out we're going to make sure we never come back but do as much as we can to help other people and help ourselves grow as well because it is something that's difficult it's to say you know you might have to give up a friendship or you might have to say to somebody that, you know, I can't do X anymore. I can't do Y anymore because it's put me down a dark path that I need to change. You know, I can't go out drinking because I, you know, maybe get in trouble from it. Or I can't, like, spend all my time on the internet because, you know, I'm going on the dark web mm. and whatever the kids are doing these days. I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know, but I can think back and I can see the reasons for all the shitty things I did. And I can see the shitty thing, the reasons for our shitty friend, things friends have done. But we were there and we never thought too bad of the other person. You're always there to help each other. How did you like look at your friendships and stuff? Did you struggle with like did you want to like lose friends? Did you, yeah, you know, when you were yeah. changing behaviours? So I mean my friends always been good. I'm the only one sort of my circle that's gone down down this path. I've lost friends, but you're so you feel so ashamed of what you've done that you just don't want to see people anymore. And you know, one of my best friends, Adam, he stuck by me, you know, through the thick and thin. And he just, he doesn't, he just sees me as that boy he met when I was six years old. He's like, you know, yes, you messed up, but, you know, I'm still your friend. I'm still going to support you. I don't awesome. agree with what you've done, but, you know, you're still my mate at the end of the day. And I'm so thankful that I've got that friendship, you know, and I've lost friends as well, but it's those you know, at the end of the day, they weren't true friends if they haven't stuck by me, you know. And, like, I would do the same, not just because I've been into prison, but if the tables are turned and my true friends, I'll stick with them and make sure they know they're supported and loved because that's what you need in life, isn't it? You need some form of support and love to to live a full, full, a full and rich life. That's amazing. I love your, your outlook on it. And, you know, I think it's going to help so many people to hear it. But how do you, you know, like... Fair enough, paddleboarding, like my nephews and stuff, they do that. But when you're planning something like, I'm going to paddle like the largest lakes I can find, I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to go and try to achieve challenge after challenge. How do you break it down into like your goal for it? How do you plan like nutrition? How do you make it like manageable? Because even just people changing their lives might seem like a, a massive goal. How, yeah. how you know how would you start breaking down a, a massive step like that do you, like when i when i first came out i started working cleaning solar panels so i was like my mentality has completely changed i've gone from trading you know hundreds of thousands of pounds for clients to cleaning solar panels but i was happy doing that the reason i was happy doing the solar panels was because i had a goal that was a paddleboard 
Um, and I think no matter what work you do, as long as you have a goal in mind that, you know, your work's paying for it, it's great. But it, that's what gave me the focus. So all those downtimes, you know, especially during the lockdown, there's a lot of time on your own. You know, I started training more. I was watching videos, reaching out to people, learning about nutrition, learning different exercises. But I mean, I'm, I'm in a fortunate position now that, you know, as I've done more and more, you know, a lot more people seem to want to work with me and a lot of companies are reaching out. But it always had to start with somewhere. And it was just that first goal, that first dream I had where I was inside to paddle those four legs. And I cleaned solar panels, you know, 12 to 15 hours a day, five days a week to make sure that I could put enough money in the pot to then go and travel the UK and paddle all four longest lakes. That's awesome. And it's, I love that, you know, it's, you're challenging yourself. It's finding that adventure, you know, it's like mm. an adventure you'll, you'll truly live. What advice would you give to people who are maybe going down a similar path that you were or who've gone down the wrong path and want to change their lives? I think anyone that's gone down the wrong path or always going down the wrong path, just admit to yourself that it's going wrong, admit that it has gone wrong and just own it. doesn't matter if, you know, like for me, I was sitting in the prison cell, own the fact you're in prison, mate, like, you know, own it. Now it's time to change. And I think that's what you need to do. Just own it, but then want to change. Be willing to open yourself up to any support and help. Like if you, you know, the only person that's in control of your own destiny in life is yourself. Nobody else is going to change you. So don't rely on other people, but take the support and help, but be willing to change. And I think, you know, it's taken me a long time to realize that, but you know, at the end of the day, we're the only ones in charge of where we, you know, where we go. Like I'll go to prison. If I went to prison again, no, life for my family, life for my friends carries on. They're still creating memories, mm. you know. And it's like, well, I'm in prison. Who, you know, who who have I got to blame? I've only got myself to blame. I think you just got to own it and be willing to change and, you know, take control of your own destiny. Fuck, I can see how you're changing lives. Like, you know, because that's so inspiring and it's so good because you're not just one of these people who talks about it and never have done it. You've actually mm. been there, so you understand like where they're going where their mindset goes and i can you know you should be massive and change and i can i'm going to direct so many people to your your information to your site because i think we need more people like you out in the world but how would you like to see prison and you know the criminal justice system i know this is a massive question but how would you like to see it reformed to change people leaving and you know make them less likely to, to recommit and truly change their lives I think the first one, so I mean, one of the big projects I did when I was working with Dr. Sarah Lewis was around mental health with people experiencing it in the criminal justice system. And the, the first thing that came, like our recommendation was just to treat people as individuals. Don't see them as prison numbers, just show a little bit of respect. And that will massively just change people's outlook. And it was just such a simple little act like that. You know, the government pumps like hundreds of millions of pounds into the criminal justice system. And it's just about respect. Just show show a little bit of respect to these individuals, see them as an individual, and that's what will that'll be the start of the change. Like you're just you're just a number, you lock behind away behind the door. You know, these prison staff they come and don't get me wrong, the prison staff get a lot of uh, a lot of shit, I suppose, thrown them for the wage that they get, but you know, if there was just respect on every side, then I imagine that we would create just such a nicer, nicer environment inside for these people to change, so they come out, and then we can create this 
this, these, the safer communities and reduce the reoffending rate. I mean, I think we're seventy-five percent in this country. You go over to like Norway, where it's twenty percent. It's like you just—they've created these growth, growth hubs, I suppose, over there, and you know it works over here. It doesn't work. Could you see that, don't you? As people will say, like, oh, they don't deserve to have TVs. They don't deserve to do this and that. And you're thinking, but all you're doing then is making people feel worthless. And when they come out, they then have grudges and they think they need to go do things. So instead, let's, you know, give them the encouragement to try, like, education. Give them encouragement to try things or actually think of, feel of value and show them that there's better ways to do it. Because like you're saying, there's other countries that do this and they offer like work when they come out, they offer all these kind of assistance. I don't know why we can't do that. Yeah. I said, you know, you look at the Spanish system, the French, the Italian, the Scandinavian, the German, like the, the Danish, they're all, their reoffending rate's so low and their rehabilitation's great, but our society doesn't want it, doesn't allow it, they're just punishment. It's like Boris Johnson, I think it was it last year, said, you know, he was all pro- pro uh, rehabilitation then he opens he's then create more prisons to open up another 10,000 prison spaces it's like which do you want more people in prison or do you want to rehabilitate put less in like which is it and i was like no i just i don't think our society is quite there yet but we're you know we're slowly moving in that direction but we've still got a lot of work to do well i mean look at america it's almost like a business you know it's actually makes them money to send people away and we're almost in that way sometimes it's People are not getting paid enough to kind of care enough. So they kind of just think, ah, oh, you know, if I treat somebody bad, what are they going to do? They're in jail. And, you know, it's, we passed this kind of negativity around. And it's something I've noticed. It's like I've interviewed a lot of people, a lot of them who have done bad things and changed mm. their lives and helped others and they're changing lives. But if I held back on something stupid they've said or something bad they've done or like even myself or a friend and that, we would never speak to anybody. And yeah. That's why I'm so keen to have you on because you're you're doing amazing work and you're you're changing people and you're encouraging them and you're actually giving back to society. But I don't. I mean, I know we're way over our time and I'm so I'm so proud to have you on and to feature somebody like yourself. And I, I wish you nothing but the best for you know success in the future. But what do you want people to take from this? What do you want them to see as like a message from this interview? Um. I think just support everybody, you know, everybody needs help. It doesn't matter if they've been to prison or not to be prison, don't judge. But I think for individuals, I think it's don't let your past, you know, define you. It doesn't matter if you've been to prison or anything, you know, live in the now, just reconnect with yourself and enjoy life. Life is to enjoy. And, you know, it took me a little while to realise that, but just go out there and, and enjoy it, embrace it. Love it. And how can people keep in touch with you? And how can we, you know, see the next insane challenges you're doing? How can we get out of our own comfort zones and kind of be inspired by you and, you know, like follow you on social media and things like that? Yeah. So if uh, all my social media is at Nomadic Paddler, um, and my next challenge, I'm in May. I'm off across Europe. I'm attempting 33 world records on 33 of the longest lakes in Europe in 66 days. Jeez. <laughs> and are you, how are you feeling towards that have you, i mean how's your preparation going are you you know i know you're gonna smash it but are you nervous at all or no i mean well, not at the moment but what happens is when it gets closer is when i start getting nervous at the, at the moment you know everything's fine but it will and it's it's, it's great you know I've, we've got we're making a documentary around it as well i've got a book deal and it's again it's you know i've come so far in these two years and 
you know, just keep doing the work that I'm doing. Yeah, it's great. And how do you deal with that, like that fear, that nerves that come, or do you just use it as kind of, this is me, this is the new me, this is just reminding me that of the changes, and you know, you look back as a kind of, the nerves are the, it's almost like excitement. And every time I take one of these endurance events on, I'm always wanting to quit when I'm out in the water, constantly wanting to quit. And I've just sort of learned skills uh, and developed this mindset to shut those voices down. Those voices, the voices that got me into prison and they're still there, you know, it's still like, just look for the easy way out. You know, you, you quit, you know, you're, you're not as good as you think you are, but I've just learned these mechanisms to shut them down. And I know that's when I know I've changed because when I'm off the water, if I come across any difficulties, I know I can overcome them because I've pushed myself through, you know, through hell on the water to, and learnt skills to deal with these. Well, that's it for another week. And thank you for listening. It's now time to take what you've learned and use it to develop and enhance your life with the key points mentioned. Listen, try it, embrace it, use it, and crush it. Now's your time to hit that next level in your life. If you liked this episode, then please leave a comment on the show notes or a review of the show on your podcast platform. Everything helps evolve the show. Until next week, keep seeking the next level in your life.